Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Welcome back to the Treatment Room Podcast. So happy to have you here. I'm your host, Tessa Zali, licensed esthetician, acne specialist, brand founder, and NASM certified health coach. And for the purpose of today's episode, we're going to be talking all about acne and nutrition and some of the biggest categories that we know of as far as being triggers for acne, the the areas in nutrition for which we have the most research and data on, which I find so fascinating. And I want to share more about that. Before we get into today's episode, wanted to share a little nugget. <laughs> I did get a lot of questions from this week's question box just asking what is your nutrition certification? Can you share more about it? Would you recommend? So I went through the National Academy of Sports Medicine. It was about a 10-month program, almost similar to aesthetics, but it's done entirely online. So that is something, something to know and consider. I wanted to go with NASM because I do feel it's one of the most widely recognized nutrition curriculums, and I wanted to get my certification somewhere that was very established and just widely recognized, very, very legitimate, well-respected, very known in the health, fitness, and nutrition space, and they really do a great job of setting you up if you did want to go get a job solely in nutrition, health, or fitness. They do a great job of preparing you for that world and really coaching you on working with people and working with clients, which I appreciate because sometimes you can know everything in the textbook, but you don't know how to work with people. And I felt like a lot of the coaching skills they share also made me a better esthetician in terms of reading people, understanding how to motivate people, understanding when things can go wrong and there can be a disconnect, how to fix problems that come up. So I really appreciated that about 
the program. There's lots of schools out there. I'm not too familiar with the other ones. I feel like they could all be really interesting to me. I've noticed a lot of the newer schools can focus more on certain trending diets. And I would say that's not really NASM. It is more old school, heavy on the science and textbook and tests. So, you know, just kind of depends what you are looking for. Oh, I did want to say you're not going to sign up for NASM and learn about acne whatsoever. I don't know if any of the nutrition schools really touch on that. Maybe they do. Let me know if they do. But from what I've gleaned, it's separate, just like aesthetics is separate from nutrition. They might have a little chapter on it, touch on it a bit, but they're really separate scopes of practice and separate, you know, licenses and certificates. So just know that I really wanted this certification so that I could just broaden my scope of practice. I wasn't looking to talk to people about calorie intake or get that micro with it. I essentially wanted the scope of practice to be able to talk to people in an ethical and legal way about their nutrition intake and how it affects the skin. So I do do a lot of my own research, some of which we're going to touch upon today, but I do do a lot of outside research on my own to kind of connect and merge the two worlds, nutrition and skin both of which I'm so hugely passionate about. So I feel so lucky I get to have this job and share some of this information with you guys. So segueing into today's episode, I wanted to talk about two areas of nutrition that we know can really promote acne. The first one is something called a glycemic load, glycemic index. You might hear low glycemic diet, lots of different ways to phrase it. But I feel like this is probably the biggest area of nutrition that can affect acne. And I think it's the least talked about. We hear about a lot of specific nutrition triggers, especially on Instagram. And a lot of that information is good and true. But I think we need to be talking about the high glycemic foods and how they can affect our skin and body. So basically, the glycemic index is just a system of measuring how fast a specific food affects your blood sugar. So the index ranges from 0 to 100, and the higher the glycemic index, say we're looking at a food with a GI score of 100, that means it may make you more prone to acne, inflammation, and other inflammatory-related conditions. There are also foods with a zero glycemic index, and these are foods that do not have carbohydrates. So this would be basically your proteins and fats. So eggs, meat, fish, and nuts. Eggs is a little bit of protein and fat, meat, fish, mostly protein, a little bit of fat, nuts, mostly fat, a little bit of protein. High glycemic foods, on the other hand, which would be a score of 70 and above, are those that are basically like pure sugar, very heavily processed foods, breads, refined grains, those kinds of foods. 
One of the reasons I think the glycemic index or GI is so interesting and powerful is because it can affect so many systems within our body. It can affect blood sugar. It can affect hormones. Again, it can affect inflammation and it can affect oil. And if you have listened to my ABCOs of acne episode, I talk about the four components that are involved with acne. We have androgens, we have bacteria, we have skin cell pileup, and we have oil. Oil is really key for acne formation. And I think people can underestimate oil if they don't feel specifically oily, if they don't notice a lot of shine. And we want to remember how teeny tiny our follicle or pore is. It's about the size of a hair. That's the tiniest cavern. And it does not take a lot for it to get clogged. So you don't have to feel like a grease ball to have enough oil to promote acne. So that is something that definitely needs to be addressed with your topicals. Back to the GI scale. Foods that have a high glycemic index are very quickly broken down by the body, and this causes rapid spikes in our blood sugar levels. When blood sugar spikes, it leads to inflammation and, again, increased oil production, which plays a major role in acne. High GI foods can also affect our hormones because they trigger an enzyme process, which is called 5-alpha reductase. This basically gives us that deep acne that occurs in the hair follicle, especially around the chin, mouth, and lower jaw. This is very common with specific foods such as dairy and wheat, and it can also be common amongst those with PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. We're going to talk more about which foods are high GI, which ones are kind of in the middle, and which ones are low, but it is really interesting that most Americans do consume a high GI diet, and if you are close to my age, I'm 32, I grew up in the 90s, I was really raised on high GI foods. I feel like it's all we saw on TV. Actually, all we saw was high GI foods and dairy, the second category we're going to talk about today. But those are the images I constantly saw in the media and on screen. There was a lot of big dairy commercials marketed towards, I mean, people of all ages. And we saw, you know, these highly processed refined sugar foods like Gushers. I can't even think of the name of all the drinks, but like Capri Sun, (laughs) lots of like plastic drinks that are just like cane sugar and dye basically. Pop-Tarts, Hot Pockets, Eggo Waffles, Frosted Flakes, Lucky Charms, so on and so forth. And, you know, a lot of us were really taught that that is normal. You start your day with a bowl of cereal and orange juice, which is truly just carbs and sugar. And nothing wrong with that on occasion. But if that is your everyday nutrition, it certainly could lead to more inflammation. 
one of the biggest findings I notice with clients is that high GI foods are especially significant in the first meal of the day. So I really prioritize breakfast. And this is something I like to talk about with clients because it can really kind of set you up for success or failure. And again, we're really concerned with the lifestyle, the overall big picture, but breakfast is so important because it's the first thing, you know, hitting your system in the morning. And if you are just putting carbs and sugar in your system on an empty stomach, that can certainly signal a blood sugar spike. But, you know, it's just so interesting that we are taught that breakfast needs to be like these carb and sugar heavy meals. You think of waffles and pancakes, again, cereal, um, all those kinds of highly processed foods. And what would be more ideal would be a well-balanced plate. For me, starting with protein really is the key. So I strive to make my plate 50% protein, and it's especially important in the first meal of the day. So you can start your day with, you know, 50% protein, little bit of fat. And when it comes to carbs, I think of that as more of a little side dish. It's not the main event. It's not where I want to get most of my energy because simple carbs are just going to give me, you know, quick, quick sugar. It's not going to sustain me. I'm going to be hungry in 30 minutes to an hour. And It's not going to give me the type of energy I want. It's not going to support muscle gain. It's not going to support my skincare goals. I wanted to point to an article from the American Academy of Dermatology. They provide some really interesting research on GI and uh, people who actually made a switch to a low glycemic diet. So one study that was done in the USA with 2,258 patients, they were placed on a low glycemic diet. So likely mostly a whole foods-based diet, likely very high in protein and veggies, low sugar fruits. And this research and diet was done so that these particular patients could lose weight. Not necessarily what I'm talking about, but that was the goal of the study. So this diet was also found to reduce acne with 80% of patients saying they had less acne and 91% saying they needed less acne medication I don't know if medication includes uh, topicals, only prescriptions. I'm going to see if it says. No, they they don't specify what the exact medication is. But basically, they're saying with nutrition alone, these people were able to see 87% less acne. That's pretty significant. The study was also done in Australia with 43 males with acne, ages 15 to 25, and they either ate their normal diet or switched to a low glycemic diet for 12 weeks. At the end of 12 weeks, it was found that those who followed the low glycemic diet had significantly less acne than those who ate their normal diet. 
Another study in Korea, 32 patients with acne who are ages 20 to 27 either ate their normal diet or a low glycemic diet. Again, normal might be standard American diet, just nothing special versus a low glycemic diet. Again, likely low carb, high protein, high whole foods, high fruit and veggies. They did this for 10 weeks. Those that followed the low glycemic diet had significantly less acne at the end of 10 weeks than the patients who ate their normal diet. That's a pretty short turnaround time. I'm even thinking of my own clients, but that is pretty significant, especially without any topical changes. Last study I wanted to share, this was done in Turkey with 86 patients. 50 had acne of the 86. They kept food logs for seven days. Those with the most severe acne consumed a high glycemic diet. Very, very interesting and pretty conclusive sound studies. So from these studies, scientists came to acknowledge that following a low glycemic diet may reduce acne because this diet eliminates spikes in your blood sugar. We know this because when your blood sugar spikes, it causes inflammation throughout the body, and these spikes also cause your body to make more sebum, which is the oily substance that really fuels acne. Both inflammation and excess sebum can lead to acne, so it makes sense that following a diet that is essentially anti-inflammatory at the end of the day, if you're following a low glycemic diet, it makes sense that that would reduce oil and reduce inflammation, two keys in the acne equation. And something I also do love about my certification is that I can do food locking with clients, which I think is really, really interesting. I do something called a 24-hour diet recall, and this is essentially just a normal day of eating, somebody logging every single thing they consumed, including drinks and beverages, supplements, all the stuff. And with that, it's not intended to, you know, reflect the whole lifestyle. I can do a longer period of time if I wanted to, but sometimes just having that snapshot, especially to start with, can be really helpful because somebody may tell you if you're just asking, you know, what's your diet like? They might say, you know, oh, it's really healthy. And that could mean so many different things depending on the person. And again, it's really key to know what the macro and micronutrients are. And again, how are they starting their day? That's so important. I wanted to talk a little bit about which foods are specifically very high glycemic. There are two that I think may surprise people that tend to be staples, even in very healthy eaters diets. And again, not to say this is a bad food, not to say you can't ever have it. It's more to say, notice if this is something you consume and if acne really is a concern, in that case, it could be something to modify. I really am very cautious with, with, you know, instructing people to adjust their lifestyle or adjust certain foods. As I talked about in the last episode about scarring, about permanent college, collagen damage, about picking your skin, which can become a really 
really tough habit to break that can just devastate people's mental health. If there is a specific food that is promoting that habit, that collagen loss, really damaging your skin, possibly in a way that could affect you for life, I am of the mind it could be, you know, it could make sense to make a modification. My outlook with nutrition is really that it should be a portal to give you a a better quality of life. And everybody has to kind of weigh what that is. Okay, back to the high glycemic foods. So some of these foods, again, they're highly refined, generally made with white flour, bread, cereal, crackers, sweetened desserts, candies, pastries, baked goods, white flour, ice cream, table sugar. I feel like these are not necessarily surprising, but some that I do find even very healthy eaters will have in their diet are things like sourdough bread, although very healthy, still high GI, white rice, another very healthy staple. But if you are consuming a lot of it or, you know, it's something that you're really sensitive to, that could be something to consider. And then there was one other one, instant oats. A lot of healthy people consume instant oats and it might be the first thing they consume for breakfast in the morning. If you're hearing this and you're like, oh my God, I have oats every day for breakfast, it is okay. That is why we provide the education. And then you can, you know, look at the lifestyle in a way that makes sense to you and perhaps try experimenting with another breakfast. Maybe you make a smoothie instead. Try that for a couple of weeks and see if you notice improvement. Let's also talk about medium glycemic foods. So with medium glycemic foods, You can definitely have these in your diet, but you probably would still want to consume them in moderation if acne was a big concern. You might want to stick to one to two medium glycemic foods per day, and these foods could include sweet potatoes, actually definitely has some skin benefits in terms of vitamin A, so for sure you could still have sweet potatoes in the diet, peaches, oranges, pineapple, rolled oats, and wild rice. And this is also interesting because instant oats, totally different glycemic rating versus rolled oats, which are slowly cooked. But if you are an oats lover, you could try swapping for the rolled oats and maybe consuming them like three times a week or two times a week, kind of rotating your breakfast just so it's not every single day. And of course, try to have your oats with some protein, have them with a little bit of fat. That way you get a more well-rounded breakfast and it's going to keep you fuller for longer and help support your muscle mass. So I'm just thinking of a potential breakfast. You could do your rolled oats. You could add in maybe some coconut milk or almond milk as long as you're not sensitive to nuts. And you could add maybe a little bit of nut butter of choice. I personally love cashew butter. And maybe you do an acne-safe protein powder 
or a little bit of like turkey bacon, chicken sausage, smoked salmon on the side. That would be a very well-balanced breakfast compared to just, you know, instant oats, especially if you are piling on sugar, maple syrup, fruit, all that kind of stuff. When it comes to low glycemic foods, these are foods with a score of 55 or less, and this would be apples, oranges, berries, organic, grass-fed protein, so a lot of protein sources out there for you to choose from, chickpeas, lentils, and other vegetables like cauliflower, butternut squash, greens, zucchini, quinoa, non-canned beans, very interesting, and nuts such as cashews and almonds. So that is the glycemic index in a nutshell. I think I'm going to share more education on Instagram. And remember, take what you like, leave what you don't. This does not have to apply to everyone. It's just here to help those that it does help. There's no food shaming. There's no restrictive mindset. Again, for me, the goal of nutrition is to improve your quality of life, not worsen it or cause extra stress. The second topic I wanted to address is dairy. So we do now know that cow's milk may lead to acne breakouts. I remember even a couple of years ago, this was not widely known. I distinctly remember during the pandemic, this coming up on TikTok and just, you know, seeing a whole feud over it in the comments of, uh, yeah, people not believing that dairy can promote acne. Now we really do recognize it as pretty factual. So milk does not cause acne because it is high GI. It is actually low glycemic index. But we do know that drinking cow's milk may be linked to an increase in acne breakouts. In the studies, all types of cow's milk whole milk, low-fat milk, and skim milk have been linked to acne. Here is what the research has showed. In one study, women who drank two or more glasses of skim milk per day were 44% more likely to have acne than the other women in this study. 47,355 adult women, that is a huge study, were asked to recall what they ate during their high school years. Only cow's milk was found to be linked to acne. Women who drank two or more glasses of skim milk a day were 44% more likely to have acne than others. Another study with 6,094 girls aged 9 to 15. Interesting because this would definitely be a category of girls that could be going through puberty and affected by acne. They completed two lengthy questionnaires given at least one year apart about their diet. The girls who drank the most cow's milk, whole, low-fat, or skim, were more likely to have acne. Another study with boys 4,273 boys ages 9 to 15 completed two lengthy questionnaires given at least one year apart about their diet. The boys who drank skim milk were more likely to have acne. 
and another study in Italy with 205 patients ages 10 to 24 who were seeing a dermatologist for moderate to severe acne and 358 patients in the same age range who were seeing a dermatologist for another skin condition and really didn't have acne. They were all asked what they ate. The patients with acne drank significantly more cow's milk than the patients who did not have acne. There were no other differences in diet between the two groups of patients. And a last study on dairy out of Malaysia with 88 patients ages 18 to 30 years old, also another category that could be acne prone. They were asked to complete a food diary for three days. Half aka 44 of the patients had acne and half, another 44, did not have acne. The patients who had acne consumed more cow's milk and high glycemic foods than the patients without acne. A lot of the information out there and a lot of the dermatology journals will say that it's really unknown as to what causes acne, whereas others will say we do kind of have an inkling. So I want to share just some of the theories as to why milk may aggravate acne. Everyone kind of recognizes more research is needed and like, I'm ready for the research, bring on the research. Why don't we put more money into it? I think we should understand these kind of things. It's such a devastating condition that affects so many people, but that's neither here nor there. Okay. So one theory is that certain foods are pro-inflammatory and milk may be one of them. It is known that milk can actually worsen inflammatory skin conditions like eczema and psoriasis. So, you know, it's not too surprising that it could also affect inflammation in those with acne. Then there is also the conversation about hormones. So artificial growth hormones are given to some cows to boost their milk production. Organic milk is produced by cows that are not given added hormones, but all cows do produce their own hormones. So it's possible that just consuming the hormones from the cow itself could also affect your natural hormone balance. Another potential theory is the idea of IGF-1, insulin-like growth factor 1, which cows do produce. Um, humans also produce this hormone as well during puberty, and it is known that it can contribute to acne. As you can tell, the research is limited in certain areas. I wish we had more, and I hope that's something that changes in the future, but it does give us some concrete information to go off of, and I hope that helps you whether you are an SD or an acne sufferer. I do believe in the power of professional guidance because acne is really not just about changing one thing in your lifestyle or routine. It is inherently multifactorial. So it does involve looking at the whole picture and having professional guidance in terms of the ingredients you're using and at what frequency. That is something we can help discover together. I'm going to link my link to book in the show notes. I do offer virtual acne care. I offer single appointments and I offer my virtual acne care program. I would love to meet you. 
if you are struggling, I'd, I'd love, love, love the opportunity to help. And thank you so, so much for listening and being here and showing up every week. I love you guys so much. Please rate and review the show. Leave it a little five stars if you like the episode. Thank you for listening and I will talk to you next week.